Hello and welcome to the Voter Podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, broadcaster, political enthusiast, dog lover, and ready for the holidays. Yeah, me too. And I'm Jen Jordan, and um, I am so looking forward to 2022. I am too. So we're going to do, I think this is probably going to be our last uh, podcast of the year. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so <laughs> Jen's like, yes, it is. Yes. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm very busy. Okay. Let's start with the biggest story. The biggest Georgia political story. When we recorded our last episode, we were talking about Governor Kemp and David Perdue, and are they going to primary each other? And now we know we like posted the episode on Monday and then it was all, it all went down on Monday. So, but you predicted this, what you said it was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you could kind of read the tea leaves, but clearly Kemp knew it was going to happen too, because as soon as Perdue um, announced formally, I mean, his uh, campaign had out that video that was just, I mean, just went right at him. And then also a website and then all of the press statements that basically said, you know, this he's just running be, because of ego and he thinks he can beat Stacey Abrams, but he couldn't even beat a 33 year old guy. I mean, they were they were vicious. Well, on the other side, too, you had Purdue make his announcement. And I am really weirded out by him constantly saying over my dead body. And let me be very clear. Over my dead body, will we ever give Stacey Abrams control of our elections again? Politicians will say these common sense conservative reforms can't be done. Well, career politicians really can't do. But together we can. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like a dog whistle, doesn't it? It's really bizarre. And I did tweet this out. And well, I also compared him to uh, he's Mr. Burns in a jean jacket. Ooh, That's a, yeah. a Simpsons reference. But it really weird messaging and just i mean this is this is bizarre well it's it's a little well it's not a little i mean it's it's a lot irresponsible i mean the the ethics commission just you know allowed candidates to use their campaigns for for security for their homes and stuff I mean, to, to use language like that in a time when we know that people running for office are, you know, being threatened, like for real, like death threats and stuff. It's really irresponsible. Um, and it felt like it was intentional, though. Like this wasn't just kind of an afterthought. I mean, it, w- it, it was clearly being intentionally done. So do you still think you said last time that in this primary you think Purdue will beat Kemp? You still think that? I still have to go with the Trump effect. So this is what I think. I think that we may be looking at a runoff because we got Vernon Jones in there, right? He's going to get 2% of the spoiler vote. Will he get that much? I think he will. And I think it's going to be so close between Purdue and Kemp. I think we may then have a runoff between the two of them four weeks after the primary. I know, right? Like, will it ever end? I want to know, and I've been also vocal about this, when these guys, when these other uh, representatives, state senators, when they're asked, they're on the Republican side, who are they endorsing? So you look at someone like a former senator, Kelly Leffler, you know, so she ran with Purdue. She was his running mate, right? Isn't that they were a ticket? 
and Kemp appointed her. So she's kind of torn. That's like, you know, the most horrifying threesome ever. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay. But like, who do you choose? Like, she's basically on the boat. She's on the boat and she's got to push one off the boat. Well, this is this is the problem for all Republicans right now. Right. In the state of Georgia with respect to this race, which is you've got a sitting governor who is paying attention, right? And he's mad that he's being challenged and and he's going to be checking the list, you know, to see who's coming out for him and who's, who's naughty not, and who's nice. Right, who's naughty and who's <laughs> nice and who, you know, who he's going to treat well. And then you've got Purdue, who some of these folks may not care for or about, but he's got Trump's endorsement. And what they don't want to have happen is if they go with Purdue then it looks like they're they're against Trump or to have Trump come after them and then they get primaried. I mean, they're they're in a they're in a world of trouble. Well, people's feet need to be held to the fire on that and you've got to pick your side, I think. You've got to pick your poison, which one you want. And um Ooh, pick your poison. They're well, both pretty tough, I have to say. <laughs> So we're going to have to keep our eyes on that. The Georgia Senate race, Herschel Walker's been in the news a little bit because he's starting to grant some interviews uh, to maybe not so safe outlets. He talked to Axios. He did talk to the AJC. The AJC revealed that he's been lying about his college degree. He didn't really. uh, Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So he's been saying that he graduated, but he didn't really graduate. And it's just, and then you have his son making these crazy viral videos that that have been getting a lot of traction. Yeah. So take a listen to this for a second. Y'all said Joe Biden was going to be the great unifier. This is divisive to my bank account and my hard-earned money. Screw your unity. You think this is unifying? Just keeps going up. Oh, just keep going up. Joe Biden. This is Joe Biden for you. Family struggling to afford to get to work. That's unifying. That's bringing the nation together. Screw this. Disgusting. Oh, just keep going. Keep going. Democrats voted for this. Democrats voted for What the? (laughs) Wait. Wait, what? I know this is a joke, but I was I was voting for the guy who was going to destroy America. You were paying $30 for gas under my guy. Okay, so this kid, <laughs> right? And I call him a kid, but he's like in his 20s. He's like 21. He's yeah. young. Yeah, so he's young, but he was doing this during um, the election, right? He was making all of these TikTok videos and putting them on Twitter and it was, they were outrageous. I mean, the things that he was saying, I mean, I was just blown away because I was like, I can't even believe that his father is allowing him to do this or that this kid even thinks this because a lot of the stuff was just so, so crazy. But this could be a real problem for for Herschel Walker, don't you think? Well, here he was. And what's funny is he's in a Givenchy, uh, or as what did you call it? It's Givenchy down wait, in what, South Georgia. Wait, we call Givenchy. I know. I was like, <laughs> I listened to him and he was like, Givenchy. And I was like, what is he talking about? I had to like read the sweatshirt. I mean, so that just kind of 
tells you a lot more about me than him, I guess. I think, you know what, though, Jen? In this world, for these Republicans, nothing matters. That You know, they'll go ahead and criticize Nancy Pelosi's ice cream freezer or they'll criticize, you know, other things. That Vice the- President bought some nice cookware. Exactly. You know, she was, you know, which, by the way, I mean, listen, people can criticize the Vice President if they want on her policies, but... A good piece of cookware is like you're actually saving. So in case you weren't following, a lot of people were giving her a hard time because she bought this $300 copper pot in France. And you're actually saving money by buying good cookware because you have it forever. Well, not only that, but it's cookware. It's like, come on, it's not frivolous. It's not it's it's (laughs) it's the craziest thing. It's like these folks are so determined to go after her. And it's like, like you said, look, policy, absolutely. Right. And that is fair game. But because she bought some good cookware, it's like, y'all, y'all got to get a life. So here you have this, you know, Christian Walker. And I did see him on another interview on BET where he was asked if he was working on the campaign. And he said he is not official in any official capacity. He's not working on Herschel Walker's campaign so i'm sure he is yeah so i'm thinking that they're probably going to tell him to pipe down with this but this got a lot of traction but i think dude he's even selling merch on his website i mean this kid this is this feels very intentional yeah uh maybe so maybe so we're talking about it so you know and well um, a grifter's gonna grift oh there's no question there's a lot of grifting and who's gonna uh, you're, we're going to have to hold his feet to the fire, too, in these interviews. Who are you supporting? Are you supporting Brian Kemp? Or are you supporting David Perdue? Oh, are you talking about Herschel Walker? Yeah. Oh, he said he wasn't going to get involved in it. Yeah, but how long, Jen, can they get away with that? I understand right now we're in the very early stages of of, of this announcement and we're getting into the holidays. So, like, okay, so people are kind of maybe giving him a pass. But once we get into March, April, you know, right before that primary in May, you know, you're going to have to answer that. Well, not only that, but I mean, there really is this kind of Trump ticket that is coming together and which includes Purdue, Herschel Walker, Burt Jones for Lieutenant Governor, Jody Heiss for Secretary of State. You know, they're all going to be on the stage with each other multiple times with Trump and he's going to present them like a package. So, you know, with respect to Herschel, it's almost like he's trying to have it both ways. Right. So that's going to be interesting. OK, since you brought up Trump, January 6th, uh, the January 6th committee, a lot has been happening with that. Like as it relates to Georgia, a lot of people have been interviewed of the current secretary of state, Gabriel Sterling. Um, then there's that crazy Kanye West publicists harassing the election people. You've seen that, right? Right. Trying to get the person to basically say there was fraud and and threatening the person. Right. I mean, that needs to be prosecuted. That is the craziest thing I've ever seen. But we only know about you know, a few people that have been questioned by the January 6th commission. I mean, because it's secret unless somebody, you know, basically, you know, tells somebody in the press. So that's how, you know, the press found out about Raffensperger and Gabriel Sterling and them. And, you know, obviously Gabriel 
Sterling was talking to the press. Well, he had an interesting, I mean, hit the quotes I read were like, they're not going to like what I said about Stacey Abrams, but I talked about them. He, these guys have such a, like, he, she's just living in their heads and she really hasn't done a whole lot lately. She's been laying pretty low with all of this. No, because she doesn't have to. I mean, yeah. it's like some kind of political food fight with the Republicans, you know, I call it R on R violence. And <laughs> She, you know, she can just sit there and be positive and talk about her vision of unity for the state of Georgia while they're being incredibly divisive. So where are we with the Fonnie Willis um, as far as like? No clue. It's there. There's a grand jury, which all of that is super top secret. Okay. Um, Yes, I'm not sure. I will say that this January 6th commission, there's probably going to be a lot more information that she is then going to have access to because, of course. Of course, you're going to see the Mark Meadows, you know, all of his um, texts that are just horrific. Horrific. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I know you, str- you, you I, still have very strong feelings. Well, because about he had that wedding in May 2020 and that that just like I just it, it really it really gets to me. The people that mass that that sort of wrap themselves in the Bible and Christianity and and then they do they throw a party and uh, when some people couldn't. In the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of a pandemic when people couldn't like have a funeral for their loved one that died. It's it's that guy is is garbage. Um, But he's not going to serve any jail time. Right. I mean, I don't know. Look, the more that I see, I mean, there's some there's some serious stuff that's coming to light. And so the question is, in terms of as they discover more things in terms of where was the money coming from, who Mm -hmm. was funding it? Um, what groups were a part of it? What did people know and when did they know it? I mean, this is a pretty this is a pretty serious thing. And you had the phone call to Raffensperger from the the president. Well, you had Raffensperger, uh, yeah. you had the to the main investigator for Raffensperger. Well, and then BJ Pack. BJ Pack. Um, the president called the current attorney general Chris Carr. I mean, he was so my guess is that all of these folks are having to go before the January 6th commission, whether we know it or not. Okay, that is really interesting stuff here. And I I would, if you, I mean, listen, I mean, if you're not fatigued on political news and all the January 6th stuff, I can't recommend enough the Jonathan Carl book, The Betrayal. It's, 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 it's just, oof. It is really something, the stuff that, you know, I, it's shocking to me. Well, you just see just how close we came. Yeah. Just to utter like our democracy just completely collapsing. And so much of the Georgia stuff. I mean, you know, uh, it's funny because in that book, there's stuff about your great meeting with Rudy Giuliani, (laughs) which I'm sure is part of the January 6th commission, too. I mean, that was all leading up to it when I mean, they were really trying to cook the books in Georgia and the fixation with Georgia that they had is really bizarre because it would not have changed the outcome of the election. Do you think that maybe in Trump's mind, in that psychotic mind, he's thinking that's a red state that should have been easy for me. I just want to correct that. So it's it's interesting because I used to kind of feel the same way, like, well, what's the big deal with Georgia? Right. Mm -hmm. But now that we're starting to see the other, the other pieces, what was being said behind closed doors, kind of what the whole, you know, plan was, and the whole plan was for states that were controlled by Republicans, i.e. the governor and the General Assembly control, then because they control, 
then they can just basically do away with the election results and pick their own electors that will support Trump. And so I think Trump, because he saw Georgia as, I mean, complete fealty to him, not only did it not vote for him, but then like all the Republicans who should have gotten in line in his head um, when they didn't, I mean, I think that just set him off. All right. And while we're on the topic of him, I was fascinated with this and I definitely want your feedback on Uh-oh. that. Tish James, the the attorney general of New York. Um, of course, you know, I have a lady crush on her. Uh, she is working on two Trump investigations. One is the uh, criminal case in the Trump organization and then the civic case and did, did the business dealings. She had announced that she was running for governor. And it was made a big stink. I'm running for governor. And then that sexy Daniel Goldman was going to run for. Oh, he was so nice. <laughs> I really like him. <laughs> I have a crush He's on him. He's very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was going to run for attorney general. And, you know, and then I was like, ooh, we're going to get him on the show. And um, we anyway. could probably more likely to get him on now than if he was run. <laughs> Let's be clear. OK. So now Tish James said, you know what? These uh, uh cases are going on. I'm not going to run for governor. What, what's what's the thinking behind that, that she backed out running for governor and she's going to run for attorney general instead? So there, there, there are a couple of, of lines of thought here, right? And this is just complete punditry on my part. One is she ran on basically saying she was going to go after Trump. And so this is kind of part of she originally ran for attorney general on that. And so this is kind of part of that, right? You can't really leave that behind. Number two is, well, she was going to run against Kathy Hochul, who is the current governor, who is another woman who um, all of the big, you know, the the Democratic Governors Association and um, Emily's List and all of kind of the, the big entities like Democratic groups that are, are kind of, you know, the ones that pick you know, who should win and who shouldn't and where a lot of the money comes from, right? They had gone with Hochul. And so then the question is, maybe maybe she looked at that and said, you know what, this might not be, this may not be the fight that I want to jump into. I didn't even think about that. See, that's why I ask you all those questions. But that's why I don't know. I mean, it could be just that she feels like she's got work to do and she wants to continue it. But my guess is there was also some kind of political... Someone pulled someone pulled her aside and said, you know, or maybe somebody did a poll or uh-huh. it's that kind of thing where, you know, maybe the rollout didn't go the way it should have. But you would think they would have discussed that ahead of time. But and is Kathy Hochul even popular? I mean, you know, obviously she's, you know, you had to step in for Cuomo and she seems to be I, I can't get a read on if people really like her. I'm not sure. But my guess is, is that's the way Tish felt and that she but she jumped in quickly. Right. Yeah. Like just. You know, almost like it, it felt like there wasn't a lot of thought that went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the fact, I think probably people came to her and said, all right, have you have you really looked at this? Have you looked at the numbers? Have have you realized that these orgs are going to stay behind Hochul? And that means you're not going to get the benefit of their advice and or donor base. Yeah. All yeah, that kind of stuff, yeah. especially because it's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Right. Like when is that primary? Uh, it's got to be coming up soon. Yeah. Right? So it's one of those things where. Like, how was she going to raise the millions of dollars that she was going to need to raise? How much had Kathy Hochul already raised? Is she going to be attacked because the one thing she had promised when she ran for AG hasn't really come to fruition? 
I mean, there are a lot of different ways to kind of look at it. Wow. You just threw cold water on, on which I'm into because here I thought, wow, she's really sticking to her gun. She's really got something. Well, that shows you that she's a very good messenger because you were hearing, right? That's all I heard. That's all you heard. That was the framing coming from her, which it should be. She went on The View. I texted Jen nine million times like, oh, my God. Because it was your two loves coming together, (laughs) The View and Tish James. It was like, oh, my gosh, you're going to explode. I didn't even that that angle did not even cross my mind. Uh, wow. That makes a lot of sense now. Okay. I think it's, I think it's the right decision for her. I mean, the last thing she's got a really bright future. And the last thing you want for folks is for them to kind of jump into races that they shouldn't be in. Um, you know? All right. Well, speaking of jumping into races, uh, someone is, um, going to be jumping into, to your race, uh, into your shoes. And we're going to talk about that with our next guest. Our guest today, Jason Estevez, is a dad. He's a business lawyer. He's a candidate for Georgia State Senate, interestingly enough. Uh, Senator Jen Jordan. Yeah, seat. he's going to try to represent the best Senate district in the state of Georgia. <laughs> but he's the big, big shoes. Big shoes. Big shoes. I big. mean, high, big high end shoes. Although right now <laughs> she's wearing Crocs. OK, stop. <laughs> Uh, but is the outgoing board chair for the Atlanta Public Schools Board of Education. Uh, Jason, it's so nice to have you on the Vote Her podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. So it's been a crazy year with Atlanta Public Schools. How have you managed it with all the virtual schools and back to school and masking? I mean, that must be quite an emotional roller coaster. It has been. And as a parent of a of a first grader who went through kindergarten during COVID, I can tell you that this pandemic has taught us how to be extremely flexible (laughs) and uh, patience, patient and just resilient. Uh, And as a school board member, I'll tell you that I I often have mixed feelings about all the things that are that are happening because so much of it impacts my house. Right. But at the end of the day, my goal is to try to do what's best for all students. And, um, fortunately this year, um, has been a, a, a great year so far. Uh, the school system has done a great job of following the science and we've stuck to masks. We are, and it's crazy to say this, literally one of the only school districts, public school districts in the state that is testing students weekly and, and testing employees uh, twice a week. And that has, I think, given us a leg up uh, in the in the battle that is COVID-19. Yeah. I, you know, Jason, I remember talking to you when all of I mean, we were just in the middle of it and it was it was really, really hard because APS really is so diverse in terms of the students that it services. And then even the teachers and the staff and the administration is incredibly diverse, too. So it was I know it was really hard because, you know, you could not please everybody. And and there were some really um, vocal folks who, who were very critical. But, I mean, y'all did a really good job of at least trying to manage all of that. There, there was literally um, nothing we could do that was going to satisfy, um, all, you know, the entire constituency and stakeholders that we have in the school system. So at the end of the day, what the superintendent did um, and supported by the board was just 
to try our best to follow um, the science, to follow what, what guidance we did have from uh, the CDC and the federal government, and, and to do our best to, to do right by our students and our employees. I think that's what people forget about in this whole equation. Um, our kids are extremely important, but if we don't have teachers working in, in our schools, then that impacts our students in, in the worst way. And APS has been able to weather that storm of um, that we're seeing across the country where teachers are just leaving the classroom, uh, school leaders are leaving schools uh, because they it's it's been too much. Um, and, and that's certainly a concern that we have as a school system moving forward. Yeah, well, the, I know they feel attacked. I mean, and I think we've seen it play out even politically um, nationwide in terms of some of the, well, in terms of a lot of school board races. And I think it probably has even played out here in Georgia for um, Marietta City Schools. I think with respect to that election of those school board members, because you had a lot of folks running who were anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, who weren't happy uh, with the with the leadership of that of that city system. And so it's kind of it's very odd because we're we're real we're coming out of a pandemic, right? Where we we had no clue what was happening. I mean, leadership had no clue what was happening, just tried to do their best. And now how all of this is being politicized, it's a little it, it's more than a little concerning. Well, and it's also concerning because with everything you're saying, Jen, is that this is when you're a, a, a suddenly you're anti-masking and anti-vaccining and then you're like anti-critical race theory, too. So it's like it's this just giant heap of controversy where people don't even want to run for the school board anymore because they're scared of these parents. And what I've learned is that all of this rhetoric is actually not helping as far as like the day-to-day operations of schools, whether it's custodians, whether it's the materials that schools need or the current curriculum. So Jason, can you, can you speak a little bit to that and what, what the future looks like? Yeah. You know, it's, it's concerning that, um, that the result of this pandemic and the result of the, the, really the, the last, the entire Trump presidency, right. Is this, concept of over politicizing and politicizing everything and school boards were already the most difficult position in public service uh, that is unequivocal without a doubt senator Dr- yes Dr- they, care what yes you say. no 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 i will i will absolutely a hundred percent agree it, it is it is the the most challenging place and that was without it being politicized and and now um, you literally have um, parents and, and people who don't even have kids in school attacking concepts that aren't actually the work, what we call the work. And I was talking to a school board or someone who was thinking about running for school board in Cobb County earlier today. And she asked me point blank, how much of your time is spent on the work versus on politics. And when, when I sit back and reflect on that question, particularly since the pandemic has started, I spend way too much time, we all do, way too much time thinking about the political issues around school, school 
um, school systems versus actually thinking about the core mission of the school district, which is teaching students, right? It's teaching and learning. That's our core business. And because of uh, the over politicization of schools, school boards, because of this pandemic, our school system systems across the country have had to focus way more on public health, way more on, on political issues uh, than they have on the well-being and, and, and the academic progress of our students. I don't think Atlanta Public Schools has this problem with this uh, critical race theory stuff. You know, you're not the the our school board meetings, um, you know, and I'm a parent in the, in that Atlanta Public Schools. You're not seeing that kind of like uproar in, in our and now you're running for for state senator. What advice do you give to combat this when people are so freaked out about this boogeyman thing that isn't even there, but it seems to be winning? People seem to be believing it. It is a load of propaganda. How do politicians, Democratic ones, or people ha have the school board experience, do a better job of explaining this isn't happening or this isn't what this is, like diversity training or, you know, uh, changing demographics of schools or different programs that are introduced are not this boogeyman curriculum that seems to be winning over a lot of voters. I mean, in Virginia, this was like the key thing. And yes. this is going to come up in Georgia. But I feel like it's winning and nobody's able to fight back and say, no, this isn't happening. And here's why. So what do you say to that? Yeah, it, it's it's tough. I, I don't have I don't know if I have a clear answer at this point, uh, but I do know that historically Democrats have had a, a problem uh, explaining things because everything we say includes, but right. Right. We, we like the happening. nuance, right? Yeah. <laughs> we love the nuance because, because I wanted every, when you talk about CRT, you want to say it, it's not taught in our schools. It's not happening, but and right. then you go into it's <laughs> whatever important. your opinion is, right. Or right. You don't want to be yeah, perceived as, yeah. Yeah, it's important for us to know our history, right? It's impo important for us to have diversity and inclusion initiatives. It's important for us. There's there's very valid. Um, but aren't those two different things? Aren't those two completely different? Yeah, things. yeah. Um, so so yes, those are two co completely different things, but they're tied together. Which is, I think, how do we become more aggressive about what is right and what is wrong? Right. Instead of trying to respond to the whole CRT thing, we need to be actually promoting what is good about what we're doing in public education. For example, in Atlanta Public Schools, where, look, we're, we want our ch children and our children are asking to talk about race because it's a big issue across the country. They don't want to be shamed about it. They don't want it. Right. It's, it, they don't want all the negativity, but we can we can show our kids how to talk about race in a positive way. Um, what we're seeing with the CRT movement, anti-CRT movement, is that they don't want us to talk about race at all. If you recall a couple years ago when the, when the state board took it up, uh, they wanted to just whitewash the whole slavery thing like it never really happened, right? And, and that's where we have to call that out as wrong and, and take a stand for what's right, which is it's important for us to know where to know our past so that we know where we're going.
right? It's important for us to, to teach our students how to be, have adult, converse, adult conversations with people who may not look like them or live where they live. And I hope at some point we get on the offensive about what's right and wrong. I know some folks who are anti-CRT, when you actually talk to them about racism, they're, they're actually okay with talking about the subject. It's just, they think that this CRT boogie monster is, is going to somehow brainwash their children. It's been like a crafted uh, campaign that's working. At least that right. I, and I see it's it like, it's, it's just, they're doing a good job of, of making this very, very effective. Um, and it is yeah. scary because I see it leading into, as we discussed off a minute ago, um, the banning of the books. And it's just like, right. it, it, it's, it's bonkers. Yeah. But they, they, you know, Republicans see this as um, a positive issue for them going into an election year. And that's why you're seeing it, right? They think that what happened in Virginia can be recreated in Georgia if they push the CRT, if they ban the books, if they do all the things that are just, frankly, just cray cray, right? Like they're crazy. And it's one of right. those things where I agree with Jason that we have got to kind of step back and, and we've got to, to own it. Public education is is a democratic issue, you know, and supporting teachers so that they can teach, supporting students, supporting families, parents, right? That is that is what we are all about. And that's where the work is, as Jason calls it. And it shouldn't be about kind of this this boogeyman framing of, of something that's not even happening. You're running for state Senate and right. that's going to be your district uh, formally, you know, where Jen is right now. And we, of course, yeah. we've got to talk about Buckhead City because the year, I mean, you're going to have to talk about this a lot, Jason. So, so for sure. where an APS, I mean, that seems to be one of the big, besides all the, you know, unsavory parts of what this is all about the APS school system it's a big issue doesn't seem to they don't seem to have the answers to that yeah they don't and and it's a significant issue and what we're seeing is that they are often put on the defensive and when I say they I mean the the Buckhead City proponents they're put on the defensive when we talk about schools and it's because they don't have a plan for what public schools will look like in a Buckhead City um, it's, it's a huge issue and one that impacts not only APS, but it impacts Atlanta and the region. Um, it, it destroys the fabric that we have come to known as Atlanta. Right. Um, and I think that as we go into session where it's going to be talked about all the time, um, I'm hopeful that more and more people who are against the idea of Buckhead City uh, speak up and challenge the assertions that have been thrown out there by the proponents without any, any pushback. And I think that's what we're forgetting is that for the last year, it feels like Buckhead City proponents have been pushing out their propaganda without hardly any pushback. That's changed over the last few weeks. And we've seen uh, the unraveling of a, a lot of their arguments, right? And now we have a new mayor um, that will, will hopefully turn the tide as far as it relates to city services 
and, and safety. Um, but we also need to make sure that we have an APS and a city of Atlanta that's working closely together uh, to improve lives for not only students, but for their families. I mean, that's ultimately what the, the folks who don't have an alternate alternative agenda, uh, but that's ultimately what some of these folks who are, would be okay with a Buckhead city, they just want a better quality of life for their neighborhood. And they don't understand because they may not be from here. They may not understand the Atlanta way. Uh, they don't really, they don't really understand the, the impact that it will have on the city and on the region. And the state. Frankly, yeah, I mean, it's it's negative for the state, period, because it's going to hit our it's going to hit our bond rating. And in terms of the APS issue, I think folks think that, you know, they're the proponents or people who are for it think, okay, well, we'll vote for this. All of a sudden we'll have this magical Buckhead City, but everything's going to stay the same that we like. Like we like our schools, right? We like our yeah. community schools. We like Morris Brandon. We, we, we want, I want my kids to continue to go there, not understanding that that is not the way the law is set up with respect to schools and cities, um, in particularly with APS, because it's an independent school district and it is a city school district, a Atlanta city school district, not a Buckhead city school district. So there are some really sticky legal issues here. And whenever you kind of push the folks on it, the proponents, they say, oh, the folks on the other side are just so negative. I'm like, it's not negativity. It's just the law. And, you know, you can't. It's fine if you want a Buckhead City, folks, and if you want to vote for it. But you darn well better understand what the implications are for your community or the city of Atlanta, and also for the state of Georgia. And you need to have a plan, right? What's what's the plan? I have not heard any tangible <laughs> thing that we I could take and say, okay, this is what they intend on doing. I've heard a couple things about them saying, well, we're going to work with a- APS. Well, we haven't been contacted yet. From the from the proponents of Bucket City to to say to hash out details, right? Um, I've also heard, well, they have to work with us because they need our money. No, well, Jen, to your point, how how does that work? There's no legal right. There's no that apparatus. that's just it. There's no legal apparatus for APS really to even become. Or, or service the new city of Buckhead. Really, the way it would work under the law as it currently is, is that those students would go into feed into the Fulton County schools school Correct. system. That's that is the law. I mean, but nobody, everybody, everybody. Let me say, Bill White just seems to to think that oh, well, not a big deal. We'll just um, we'll get some Republicans to pass a law and and we'll be okay. But that's just not yeah. the way it works. And not only that, but some of this stuff is constitutionally based. And you have to have, you know, you've got to have two thirds of each house to pass a constitutional amendment. And something like that is just not going to get over the line. Well, what's amazing to With me that, is, yeah. is that they're showing up at school board meetings, fighting something like a mask or like a curriculum when this is something that's really going to affect uh, their children's education. I mean, this is really something people should be paying much closer to attention to in Buckhead rather than just the political aspect of it. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I just thought about the fact that 
you have folks who would be okay with Buckhead City contracting with APS, which again, not sure how that happens. <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't have a representative on the school board right. because they yeah. can't vote for school. Yeah. Board, wouldn't right? be represented. So, yeah. So so who would they where, who would they talk to <laughs> about masks or right. about reopening school? They wouldn't be able to talk to anyone because they wouldn't be represented by anyone. Right. And there's no way for them to 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 hold anybody accountable for not representing them. I mean it, that's just it is so short sighted. Yeah. And and no one seems to have really thought it through apart from kind of just listening to whatever, you know, the, the pro Buckhead City folks have kind of been spooning to them. Yeah. Well, I, I think that Bill White and and that team over there significantly underestimated uh, how many Buckhead families use APS. I I, I really do. I think when they were planning this thing, they didn't realize that over 60% of, or 60% of families use APS in Buckhead. Um, People I think move there because the of the schools. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, I know. The, and, and the, the value the of, yes, the value of the property what they are because of the schools, because of the schools. So I'm like, okay, so yeah. as soon as you vote for this and there's a de-annexation, then APS isn't per, providing you know the APS schools go away let's say I mean what is that going to do in terms of your property values I mean there are so right. many issues around this that people just aren't thinking about as opposed to why don't we come together and try to really solve the issues and the problems that we're dealing with as a city I mean really as a state but as a city and, and not just say well you know we're going to take our toys and, and and go home let me ask you both yeah. this as we come up on 2022 election, which uh, we we all know that it's going to be a hot, steaming dumpster fire <laughs> of attention to Georgia. Is this Buckhead secession thing? Is this like a distraction maybe from all some of all the other stuff that is this doing a good job that we're spending so much time talking about this, this Buckhead cityhood uh, distracting from from other things going on? I don't think it's a good thing. And because I think it's really ugly, right? I think that it, at least from a national perspective, it seems like it's driven by race and racism. I mean, they call it the successionist movement. I mean, you think? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. it is not, look, it, it it hurts me because it's it's my district. And, and I know a lot of people have significant concerns around crime, and I get it. And we are coming out of a really difficult time and a lot of the issues that we see or, or the things that are causing the issues are really kind of vestiges of the pandemic and the courts being shut down for a year. I mean, it, and it's just one of those things where there is not a magic, you know, bullet here, not to talk about bullets, but there's, there's not a panacea. And we, some of this is just about time, right. And, and letting some of yeah. these court cases work through the system and we're going to have a backlog no matter what no matter how many cops you have on the streets i mean that's just it it's we are so intertwined um and linked that just by saying you know we're a new city it that ain't gonna that ain't gonna solve anything well jason you've got your work cut out for you <laughs> well, look, I, no I, no I'm pressure already... 
I'm already firmly in the in the anti Buckhead City camp. Uh, I, I do think that Republicans are going to milk the the movement uh, during session. I think that it's going to be a talking point. But ultimately, my hope is that it dies somewhere in in the House. Um, I, I that's my my hope um, because I I fear that um, if it does get to the ballot then um, we're, we, it will be distracting from a lot of the stuff that's happening in 2022. And I'm not sure whether David Perdue, Brian Kemp, or Stacey Abrams want that kind of distraction right. on the ballot. Nobody wants to talk about no, it. No, I, I think that in terms of, of Kemp and Perdue, they want it on the ballot, the primary ballot, because they think that it's if they own the issue – then that is going to spike Republican primary turnout. And yeah. that is incredibly problematic that that the city of Atlanta and the future of the city of Atlanta is basically being used as a pawn um, for political purposes by the Republican Party. Well, I mean, isn't that the whole point of this? All this, everybody's doing it. So why not them? <laughs> Man, Mara. <laughs> cynical cynical well i mean jason congratulations on on like everything you've done with aps i can't say it enough as a parent i've been really really pleased with everything that's been going on and you guys have done a great great job and good luck in your state senate race very exciting thank you so much i i i Look forward to working hard to fill those shoes. It's gonna it's gonna be a great election year. Yep, you gotta fill those crocs, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're 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 expensive, pricey, nice crocs though. No, they're like the Costco cat heads. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. And there you go. We learned a lot. Yeah. Jason is is a great. He's guy. great, and he's he's a, a great father, and he's got a, a a beautiful, smart wife, and just a really really cool, loving family. I I mean that's a lot for you to say. This you know like you know we're just gonna sit here and talk about shoes, right? Well, like shoes. he's like six three or six four. <laughs> he's got a lot bigger shoes than I do. Okay, before we wrap, I want to mention that you are still running for attorney general. Yes, I think everybody knows that at and this point. I. Again, not to keep bringing up Tish James, but on the show, on The View, they kept calling her Madam Attorney General. And it just got me so excited that I, am I going to have to call you that when you win? Well, either that <laughs> either that, or Lady General. I'm, I'm playing with it, right? I'm playing with it a little bit. I just was like, ooh, that, I mean, that, ooh, I, I liked that a lot. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I'll move on from that. <laughs> you got uh, some pretty big endorsements uh, over the past couple of days. Tell me about that. Yeah. No, look, we um, had Emily's list come on and they rolled out endorsements of uh, B, Stacey Abrams and B, Wynn at the same time. B and I rolled out at the same time um, endorsements from uh, In Citizens United, which is a huge group. And we already had NARAL and we had WinList. And so it's really, we've got some real momentum. And look, the, the, at the national level, um, when you get these endorsements, it's, it's incredibly important. And we've been working hard. I mean, we've been working hard behind the scenes to 
you know, to show that we are the candidate that not only can win the primary, but we're the candidate that can beat Chris Carr. Well, go to Jen for Georgia, Jen for GA, the number four GA dot com to uh, give Jen some money. Give Jen some money. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, you know, and I'll shout out to B. Win because she called me the other day and she asked you for money. Well, <laughs> here I thought I was like, oh, wow. B. Wins calling me. This is awesome. Like, I've made it. Like, I'm ha- I'm a happening, like, Georgia political person. I saw it on my phone. I was like, ooh, what's up, B? <laughs> and, and then, like, she, you know, we're just shooting the shit. And then I'm like, I was like, oh, you want money, don't you? And she's like, can I count you in for 250 <laughs> And I was like, much. <laughs> of course I gave her money, but understanding what you ladies are going through to save democracy. They need your money. Yeah. Look, this is this. <laughs> I mean, I hate it. I, this is the worst part of campaigning is, is the ask and the asking for money, but it is the only way to win because you can be the best candidate in the world, but if you right. don't have the money to get the messaging out there, it's like a tree in the wood. Right. So when you get that call from Jen, <laughs> <laughs> at least me. pick up right I, oh, at least pick meanwhile up. i picked up on the first ring i was like oh what's up b let's see if you <laughs> let's see if you do that next time uh, okay <laughs> no b if you're listening i will always take your call because she's awesome all right let's move on to the holidays you excited for the holidays so you got big plans i kind of am because i think this year feels like we can be a little bit more normal not not just, and I'm not saying from the perspective of getting together in big groups, but just like last Christmas still felt very heavy. You right? did. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And now we can do the testing, you know, we can do rapid tests, you do PCR. There are ways to, to try to stay safe. And, um, and you know, I just, I really dig my family. So, yeah. Okay. What's your favorite holiday song? <gasps> Jingle Bells, I think. Mine is Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas. Of course it is. Course. <laughs> I'm currently reading her book right now. It's okay. awesome. Do you have ham or turkey? Neither. We do. I do this amazing tenderloin on Christmas Eve. Three ingredients, butter, soy sauce, and the meat. Mm. It's mm. incredible. I'll have to give it to you. Okay. All right. Great. We've had a beef. One year, Mike, we had a beef Wellington. Ooh, that's kind of hard. It, oh, it was very labor intensive. Yeah. I'm uh, not about the labor. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, worst gift you ever got? Ooh, I, I've gotten quite a few from my husband that weren't great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like in my head going, oh, there's a lot. He he gave me one last year, I think that was um, a framed um, Queen of Hearts, picture of Queen of Hearts. Yeah, it was a little, That's weird. he said, you're the queen of my heart or whatever. He's <laughs> aww, like trying. He's aww, trying. Aww, well, that's that. Well, but I'm, it but it looks like it should be like in a bar from the eighties or or something. <laughs> I mean, it's just like I was just like, oh, darling. I think mine is um. I got a three pack of poopery from uh, Costco. Those are good though. I, 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 but I, you don't need them. For, I, I'm like, it's not a gift. I'm like, are you trying to send me a message, yeah, honey? Yeah, what is this? That's uh, not. It was supposed to. Okay. So I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, uh, Senator Ossoff and Senator Ted Cruz had like a friendly bet over the World Series. And like, because the Braves won, uh, Ted Cruz had agreed to get Texas barbecue for Ossoff's whole staff. What politician would, would like, is there a senator that maybe you don't like that maybe would be fun to have a, 
bet with or I, I don't know. I don't know if I would do it with people I don't like. <laughs> like I have a real issue if I don't respect people. Like uh-huh. it's hard to because that's like a super friendly thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to kind of push, like a Ted, Ted Cruz is like not a good person. I mean, but that's why it's like seeing that photo op, it, that was sort of a warm, fuzzy holiday thing to see them together. That I don't awesome. know. All I thought was Ted Cruz needs to lose a little bit of weight. <laughs> Are you going to be eating Trader Joe's croissants again? Of course. That's what we talked about Christmas. last year. That's what it is. Uh, I've got to get them. Okay. I have come to the conclusion this is not going to be a popular opinion. Uh, I'm warning you. Maybe Dawn, our number one listener, will agree with me here. Santa's lap, photo ops, it is officially creepy. It just, there is not one kid that looks happy. And then I'm sorry, when you're taking your like teenagers to sit with Santa, I, I, it's just and now in COVID, I, I, it just wears me out. Yeah, the whole kind of uh, sexual predator thing. It's very, I mean, I know we, we've done it for years. I mean, I did it with Charlie, but like I look back and I'm like, why, why did I do that? Yeah, it's like, here, sit. And then like Corinna is losing it. Like, you know, of course, Lawton, always the nice kid. He's like smiling and she's like, doesn't want to come near the old creepy guy. I mean, can you blame these kids? No, no, it makes complete. <laughs> Complete and perfect sense. <laughs> okay. Um, best holiday movie. Oh, The Christmas Story. Uh, unpopular opinion. I'm the only one that like doesn't like it. Oh my gosh. How could you not? Like when he gets stuck, you know, with his tongue to the post. It's, it's just, awesome. It's just, it's just. T- what about you? Uh, I, I, you know, we rewatched Die Hard. Oh, oh, so you're calling Die Hard a Christmas movie. Absolutely a Christmas movie. That's Um, I don't know if it's my favorite, but my recent favorite, which I here's a recommendation that Brooke Shields, A Castle for Christmas on Netflix. If you're if you need a little middle aged lady porn, just watch that. It is the cutest movie. You, and listen, you know exactly how it's going to end. You you could write the script, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that just, it gave me the warm fuzzies. I loved it. Look, I think we all just need some warm fuzzies because it's, it's been a little cold. <laughs> all right, so we're going to keep going in 2022. We're v- getting very close to our 50th episode. Oh, my gosh. Which I want to say happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you. When we started this, this was going to be a six-episode run, and we're still going, and it's just amazing. Yeah, well, it kind of keeps me sane. It keeps me grounded. You know, we sit here, and, and we're in a basement, you know, recording Just like this. Joe Biden was. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, I mean, it's like the only respite I get from bothering people and asking them for money. So. Well, great. So when Jen calls you, just give her money. Or at least just be nice. Or just be nice. And uh, we will talk to you next year. And we do want to say thank you to Christina Loringer for always doing an amazing job um, editing and producing our show. But mostly we want to thank you. Uh, people, regular listeners, when I run into somebody and they tell me they listen to the podcast, it just, it's the greatest compliment I could ever get that you take the time to, to listen. We just love it. No, I, yeah. I mean, I'm always amazed to some extent because it always just feels like we talk, right? <laughs> and it's a podcast. It just happens to be a podcast. So yeah, no, this is, this has been a good thing and happy holidays, y'all. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.